I'm glad to be with you guys. I'm glad to be vertical. Uh, my age, vertical is good. I, I spoke at uh, USC last night, their challenge meeting, and I promised them I would show some pictures. I didn't know if they could handle a smaller group than this, so I didn't know if they could handle it all by themselves. So I'd like to introduce a little bit of me to you, since we're going to be working the weekend together. And um, the, we'll start here. When I was born, I was very young. Now, this is me. I have very curly hair, where I have hair. Uh, I grew up in East Tennessee, almost Virginia, almost North Carolina, in an industrial town, about 40,000. And uh, my, my dad was a, a guy, he was a head, of, head of security forces for us, big paper mill, employed paper mills. As far as paper mills goes, it was gigantic. It employed about 2,000 people. Um, this is, I don't know if, can, you, can we cut the front lights? I don't know if we can or not for a second. I'm good looking here. I want you to see this. <laughs> now, there we go. There we go. That's me with my two sisters. And uh, I'm about 18. They're both grandmas now. And I finally, I'm not a grandma. I'm a grandpa. <clears throat> we... Um, Let's see, Neil, what time do I need to stop? I want to stop before they do. Nine, okay, good. Uh, this is me while I was at USC. I noticed the glorious hair, <laughs> curly, wavy. And uh, what you can't see is the wonderful shirt I have on. It has large lapels, blouse sleeves, and everything that 1970 demanded. Um, I met Deborah. Deborah was a student at UCLA. We met through the Christian student ministry that's now Challenge uh, at SC. Now, this is her dad. We're getting married in East LA. We went to church there. 1971. Um, this is us at the garden reception. I'm feeling good. <laughs> this is the day her father considered me an honest man. Now, he told me I could marry her if I would make sure she graduated from college. She graduated from UCLA. I am in a glorious red-striped shirt with a white tie. <laughs> uh, that's her graduation picture. She graduated, did very well at UCLA. Uh, we like the beach. I'm not a very good surfer. I do better with pontoons. Uh, we moved to Fort Worth in 74 to go to a seminary. I'd done... Four years of grad school, and I was now going to do another three. And we both managed to go through seminary. We didn't have kids at the time. Then we started the church. And then uh, we had our first child. This is the complement that we have. Oldest Jessica, then Gina in the middle, and then son John on, the, on my lap there. Uh, Gina is Thad Lanthrop's wife. Some of you know Thad. This is the grown bunch a little while ago. Uh, they're all married now. 
And this is the, the kid, grandkids and the family. We're getting ready to go to Salinas from uh, uh, Diamond Bar last summer. We got a few days up there together. Now, this is me and Deborah now. Now, there's a little difference there. I want to tell you something, friend. You will spend your life. The big question is, what are you going to spend it on? All you have to do to get old is hang around. <laughs> you don't have to do anything to get old. I'm 70. I'm glad for the life I've had. I spent a lot of hard stuff in it. Uh, Deborah and I were wired together by Jesus to endure hard stuff in order to make things happen. But there, but there have also been just incredible blessings. None of them were predictable. It's called a faith walk. But uh, one day I sat where you're sitting. And uh, maybe one day you'll stand where I'm standing. But I do know, if you don't check in early with Jesus, you're going to get old. The big question is, what will happen between now and then? I want to tell you what's going to determine that. Now, we're going to take a look at the heart of life. And uh, as we go through this, um, I'm going to be walking through some insights. This is a paradigm that, based on Scripture and what I know about people, I use to explain a lot of things. Now, paradigms are very helpful. Uh, there are many useful ones. You need to find them and use them. Uh, I'll do a conference this spring where we're going to go through about somewhere between 25 and 40 that are just how to read life situations. Uh, you already use a paradigm for reading life. Uh, but this one has to do with uh, life itself, the heart of life. Uh, have you ever asked the question? I have several folks. Why did my parents do that? Or... Why did my friend use that tone of voice? What's going on? Uh, why, did my, why did the prof change the assignment? I had the other one already done. Why? Why did my roommate act so grouchy? Uh, why did my sweetheart ignore me in class today? Oh. <laughs> why did my spouse get so upset? What's, what's going on with her? Why did my three-year-old drop the glass on the floor? Uh, why did God let this happen? Have you ever asked that one? I am going to tell you the answer. There is an answer to these questions. You ready? Here it is. It made sense to them. It made sense to them. Why is your friend, why is your roommate so grouchy? It made sense to them. Why did, you, why did your sweetie ignore you in class? And for whatever reason, it made sense to them. Now, why did God let this happen? It made sense to him. Now, you might want to ask, uh, why did that make sense to them? I'm not sure. But I do know it made sense to them, and I might be able to figure that out. There's a basic rule in life. And that rule is, we all do what makes sense to us. Uh, everyone. You do, I promise you this, you do exactly what makes sense to you. Now, you might have thought everybody else was making you do stuff, 
But whatever else everybody is doing, you're doing what makes sense in the context of that. What makes sense to you. Everybody else may think you're crazy, but it makes sense to you. As a matter of fact, I've, I've dealt with crazy people, people who held psych, had psychotic breaks. And they are doing exactly what makes sense to them, given their frame of reference right now. It's crazy, but it makes sense to them. Everyone does this. We all do this. Uh, so now you know the truth about everybody here. They're all doing what makes sense to them. For some of you, that's going to worry you to death the rest of the weekend. Why did he do that? Well, it made sense to him. Why? I don't know. But it made sense to him. That's a shocking truth, but it is true. Uh, this is how we make choices. This is how people tick. Everyone does this. If you can learn this, you can begin to solve a lot of life problems. We mostly just live in a fog. That happened. What was going on? Well, that's okay to ask that question. But you need to understand, people do what makes sense to them. Why did that idiot cut in front of me in traffic? It made sense to them. That's crazy. Well, it may be, but it still made sense to them. Uh, we have desires. Desires motivate us. They come up. We want something. You want a sandwich, you go to the fridge, make a sandwich. Uh, you want to sleep, you just quit writing on the term paper and go to sleep. <laughs> After the building's on fire, you decide, what do I want to do? My desire is to get out of here. Uh, we all have desires, sexual desires, uh, vengeance desires, noble desires to be like Christ. Uh, but they're mixed desires, plus or minus. All of us have mixed desires. We're broken people. We filter those desires through our perspective. What kind of situation we think this is. And also our value, our value structure. Depending on, you know, we might have several desires. We pick what's most important. Now to another person, something else may be very important. But to you in the situation, you choose something that's more important and then you act based on that. Your behavior comes out of the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's out of the heart that the life flows. Uh, so these three things are always working. Your desires. Uh, you, you squelch some of them. You act on others. Uh, your, your value structure. Each one of you has a value structure. You don't know what it is. You all love God. That's why you're here. Or if you're not yet a Christ follower, you're really considering this. Your problem will never be that you don't love God. Your problem is, will be what you love more. Because it's a ranking. It's where things fit in the rankings. And then how you see life. Um, two guys go on a business trip. <clears throat> One is, uh, has finished his meetings. He, at the, in the evening, uh, they're having an open bar. At the bar, he has a drink, and he meets a woman who is very approachable. She lets him know she's available for the night. Should he, does he spend the night with her? Well, I mean, the desires are there. But this particular guy, he believes that God is absolutely in charge. God can pull his chain at any point he wants to. God knows the location of every quark in every subatomic particle, in every 
a molecule, or in every atom, in every molecule, in every cell, in every worm, under the bark of every tree on earth. And God knows where he's at right now. And God can affect these things. He also, he doesn't, you know, this is a really good looking woman. And to guys, that means a lot. But he loves his wife and his kids, and he does not want to bring damage on them. He gets out of the situation. Another guy, he's on the same trip. He too is a Christian. He runs into the situation, and he, he believes God's in charge. But, you know, God sort of nods off every now and then. You can't sneak a few things by him. And if God's working the big computer and he doesn't notice this detail, maybe things will go well. Now, he loves his wife, too, and his kids. However, in his heart, he just sometimes wonders if heaven is real. And so he wants to have the maximum fun he can on the planet. He takes her up. Same circumstance. Same desires. Two different value structures and two different perspectives on life. You always make your choices this way. Um, let me move us on. Uh, a change in perspective, it changes what I think is an opportunity, what I think is a problem, what I think if I have a, change, a shift in perspective. Perspective is how, what I think is going on in the situation, how I think the world is, and really my angle on it. Um, what's, what's possible, what's impossible, what's good for me, what's bad for me. Everybody, yeah, all of us have ideas about these things. Now, what's stupid and what's wise? Uh, let me show you something. This is a Spanx, the lady who created Spanx. Anybody know what Spanx is? It's not a child discipline group. Um, is this it? Okay. Uh, she's, she's talking about how her father trained her perspective. I'd like you to listen. Growing up, my father used to ask my brother and me what we had failed at at the dinner table, which was so interesting, and he'd celebrate it, and he'd actually be disappointed if I didn't have something that I failed at that week. So I can remember saying, Dad, Dad, I tried out for this, and it was horrible, and he would actually high-five me and say, congratulations, way to go. And what it did was just reframe my de definition of failure. Failure for me became not trying versus the outcome. So, so many people don't take risks for fear of failure. They don't start the business. They don't go create the art they want to create, or they don't go try out to be in the play, or whatever it is for the fear of failure. And once you redefine that for yourself and realize the failure is just not trying, then life opens up to you in many ways. And I would also, my dad would encourage me anytime something didn't go the way I expected it to, or maybe I got embarrassed by a situation to write down where, where the hidden gifts were and what I got out of it. And I started realizing in everything there was some amazing nugget that I wouldn't have wanted to pass up. At Spanx, to encourage people to fail, I'm bringing up my failures in front of the team often. So I will stand up and I call them the oops of Spanx. Some of them are the oops throughout the history of Spanx. Some of them can be uh, recent oops that I did, but I'm always openly talking about it. If you're going to have an oops, part of the beauty of it is twofold. If there's a failure quote or an oops in your life, 
if you learn from it and if you can laugh about it, then it's all worth it. Failure. You just change, def you, you change your perspective on failure. You turn into a very different kind of person. In her case, a billionaire. Uh, very interesting. Her parents, her dad trained her perspective on failure. You have a perspective on failure. Did you know that you can actually change that? But how, how you think about failure really affects what you do in situations. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about perspective. Just how you think things are. How, how you read life. Um, the uh, change Change in perspective can change what I perceive as the way it is. I look at the situation, that's just the way it is. Well, if you see it from a different angle, you might see it differently. Uh, what's going on here? What I think is really going on in the group? Well, it depends on your perspective. Looking from a different angle, you might see things rather differently. How life is. That's just how life is. Well, it depends on your angle on life. People see from different angles. They have different ideas. Which one is right? Uh, you already have a perspective. I mean, you already do this. Uh, what this means is, I go through an experience. What this means, it comes out of my perspective. Perspective is very interesting. Uh, let me, let me pray, play you a video. You guys have seen trash art? Some of you have. What, watch this. What, I'm, I'm interested in perspective here. This has no audio, but watch, watch the perspective. The person standing in one place might say, man, that is incredible art. Somebody else standing in another place might say, that is just a pile of trash. Uh, here's one of the problems that we have in life. You have to watch out for angle of approach. You think you look at, you look at a situation and you read it certain ways. Angle of approach can get you in trouble. This is Colossians 2. Watch out for the angle of approach. See to it that no one take you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. It looks like real ideas. Which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. If you're going to evaluate life from a perspective, I would strongly encourage you to pick Christ's angle on things. Learn these from the scriptures. You have them coming out of your family background. You have you have perspectives coming out of your educational background. You have perspectives coming just out of the way you are personally. Uh, evaluate them and make sure you learn to see life well and you don't get tricked. I want, I want to take you a little bit further with the heart diagram. Um, and we need to move fast. This is a little more complicated. I have desires, have perspective and values. A desire comes up and I... Run it through how, what I think is going on here, what's most important to me in this situation. And I develop a goal and then a strategy. Uh, you have very different, you actually use strategies. You may not be aware of them. For some of us, it's to be shy. And that's one of the ways we achieve goals. For others, of us, it's to just chatter. You know, that's part of our strategy for relating. Uh, but we, we have a goal. And so we develop a strategy. You're really angry with someone. And you're just fuming. And the lava is flowing. You're telling them off. And your phone rings. And it's someone you want to impress. They might ask you out next weekend. Or you might want to ask her out next weekend. And you, in the middle of the lava, you go, hello. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. 
Well, I'm so glad you called. And da 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 da. And then you hang up and then you go back to letting the lava flow. You're doing what makes sense to you. And the phone ringing added additional perspective shift for a few moments. And then we got rid of that and we go back. I'd, I'd like you to learn to think about this. You see, the enemy influences these things. As a matter of fact, there's a fellow named Ananias in Acts 5.3 that he gives him the, I'm sorry, uh, this David, King David, Second Chronicle, First Chronicles 21.1, Satan gives him the goal of taking a census of the fighting men of Israel, which was an insult to God. But the idea came from Satan. It was a goal. 70,000 people died. A fellow named Ananias in the New Testament, he was given a strategy about lying about his giving so that he could get status in the church. And in his case, he died and his wife died. But the, the strategy came from the enemy. We don't think about that. I w I'd like you to just evaluate your, your, your thinking and your, uh, your approaches to things. Uh, Christ is going to challenge you for, for lasting behavior change. If you're trying to change some behavior, usually perspective has to shift first. And definitely values will have to shift. Because you want behavior change, you have to change perspective and values. You keep doing the same old stuff. Uh, George S. Odeorn, that which does not change remains the same. The father of management by objectives. That's sort of obvious. <laughs> or Tony Robbins. If you do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. Christ is going to want to change your perspective. He's going to challenge your perspectives on life, on issues. There are all kinds of issues stirring right now in society, and everybody has an opinion. You'd really do well to find out what Christ thinks. Uh, how to create relationships. He's going to change your perspective and actually your values on this. He, stuff's in the Bible on the, about this. Money, hat. What does it take to be happy? Everybody wants to be happy. There's actually a way to, for this to happen in the Bible. But very few people are aware of it. Uh, you know, we, we watch TV. Might even read a self-help book. And we stand in front of the mirror. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. I just can't believe it. You know, we, we try. Um, I want to challenge you. Uh, evaluate. Christ is going to challenge, challenge your values. What's more important than what? And a lot of times when you're struggling, what he's going after is the values. Oh, you really want to do such and such, and this other thing is getting in the way, and Christ wants you to do it. And oh. uh, Goals. And then strategies. Many strategies we use are just simply ungodly. I want you to be aware of this. I know exactly why you're going to do what you do this weekend. Because it made sense to you. Now you can all worry about what each other's thinking. I want you to do a project. We'll take about 10 minutes for this. We don't have time for the 15. Uh, it's called Ruin Them. Work with a partner on this. Find, find just one partner. We don't have time for three. If you, if, you can, if you need to move, you can't. Well, you can do three if you want, but you must talk fast. <laughs> Read it quickly. This is actually a pretty important project. <laughs> Just quickly, um, any discoveries or insights out of this for yourself? 
Yeah. What would you do? What would you do if someone was locked onto you like this? What would they be trying to influence? Your what? Productivity. Yeah, maybe your productivity. Yeah, if you want someone to step off of a hundred-story building, all you have to do is convince them they're on level ground. If you want someone to waste their life savings, all you have to do is convince them what you're offering them is worth so much more than that. It may not be. That's, but all you have to do is convince them. A fellow named Bernie Madoff, a few years back, took New Yorkers rich people, smart people in New York for $64 billion. All he did was create perceptions. Um, you actually have somebody more ruthless than any mafia person stalking you if you're a Christ follower. Revelation 12 says the enemy set out to make war on those who obey Jesus Christ and who hold to his testimony. If you do that, you actually, you actually have attention. And I promise you, he is not going to jump out on Halloween in a red devil suit and go, boo. <laughs> Very subtly. Like, sort of like with David. You get a big idea, or you see the big idea, you want to marry them. Not every big idea you get the right one. Check it out. Or you, you know how to get what you want. You never realize that the strategy was suggested by someone who's lying to you. You see, uh, David, he, the, the enemy did not appear to David, King David, and say, Hi, I'm the devil. I have a suggestion for you. According to the Bible, it just sort of popped into his mind. The guy in the New Testament, Scripture says, he just, Satan filled his heart this decision-making core of us. Actually, one time, Simon Peter, the leader among the early disciples, starts to rebuke Jesus for saying he's going to die, and Jesus calls him Satan. He says, get behind me, Satan, for you're looking at things from human perspective, not from God's. Wow. And Peter had just said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, people didn't show you this. God did. And next thing you know, the devil's showing him something. Hmm. So, I don't want you to be paranoid, but don't be suckers either. You're in the realm of the sucker world. You're young. Actually, that doesn't really change for a long time. <laughs> uh, just, just learn to check your big ideas with Scripture. And understand, you do have them. You have an angle. It may be your angle on the situation is wrong. One of the things I learned along the way as a leader is people do something wrong and you think they're just rebelling. Actually, two-thirds of the time, they were confused about what they were supposed to do. I just saw it wrong. So learn, learn to ask questions. We're going to talk about some things that reshape perspective this weekend. And it actually began to change values and the other times together. Right now, I'd like to pray and then turn it over to the, the rest of the guys. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here together. Thank you for 
a common experience that so many of us have had of you moving into our lives and beginning to lead us in a very different direction. We ask you uh, during the weekend, you'd use this time to really encourage us and strengthen us through each other and uh, open our minds and our hearts to things you want us to hear and, and see. Let us see things like you do, God. As Paul prayed in Colossians 1.9, let us see things as it were from your perspective. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.